to Multiverse of Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. This week we're teaming up with our best multi-millionaire billionaire friend, Tony Stark, as we venture into the Iron Age. Dun, dun, dun. And Devin, you were the one who picked this one out, so why did you pick the Iron Age? It looks cool. Um, it was actually different than what I thought was going to be going down. But it was still kind of cool. I mean, it had the team-up of Iron Man with the threat of the Phoenix Force. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because I thought it was going to be this Tony Stark actually, like, undoes all the mistakes that he's made. Yeah. But that is not what happens. Yeah, no, I agree. Instead, it was sort of more of, oh, hey, look at all these people who have died and come back since then. Oh, and I'll be talking about one of them in particular. Uh, but yeah, let us get into this. The Iron Age series came out in three sections. It was really weird because there was Iron Age Alpha, and then Iron Age 1 through 3, and then Iron Age Omega. There was no need for that. You should have just made it Iron Age 1 through 5. Yeah, it, it was weird. But the uh, main guy behind this series was Rob Williams, but there were also several other writers who showed up, and so with each issue and then each story within the issues, we'll go over that creative team when it yeah. changes. So Iron Age Alpha is written by Rob Williams, with art by Rebecca Isaacs, uh, with Andres Moza on colors, and Jared K. Fletcher did the letters on all of the issues. And sort of giving a setup, this takes place in a universe that is similar to the main 616, so at this time, Civil War has ended... And for those who don't know what Civil War is, Devin, explain it quickly. Basically, it had your big superhero, big battle between Superhero Registration Act, which is all superpowered beings need to register at the government. Tony Stark is in favor for it. Cap rebels against it. Huge battle. Goliath dies. Cap dies. A bunch of people die. And everyone kind of hates Tony Stark because of how it was written. Yep, that's pretty much. Even though he was in the right. Bam! He was just a jerk about it. Yeah, he, he handled it poorly. And so Tony Stark is having a party celebrating a new library opening, and Danny Rand, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage are there. And Luke Cage is really pissed off at Tony because pretty much for the last over a year, he and his wife and their newborn child had to be on the run. And then all of a sudden, a group of robots kidnap Tony, and he finds himself captured by an old Iron Man villain, the Phantom. Donald Birch, who the way he in one issue in Tales of Suspense number sixty three, created by Stanley and Don Heck. Basically, Birch was like a set. He wanted attention from Tony Stark, who like didn't have time to deal with his projects. So his uh, entire idea was to sabotage different Stark projects, which was almost causing a whole union strike from all his workers, which would cause the entire Stark International to shut down. And basically, Stark ends up finding it's him and arrests him and fires him. Which is very different than sort of he made it out, which was Stark fired him, blacklisted him, and then stole the ideas from him. Yeah, in the book, in the original book, that has nothing to do with anything. Yep. His plan also made little to no sense because he's mad that he gets fired. But the entire point of his plan was to cause, like, problems, which was going to get the entire, like, Stark International shut down. So he'd still be out of a job either way. All you need to know is that he's angry at Tony, and he is now dying of cancer, so he remade one of Doctor Doom's time platforms, and he's been messing with history, 
we see a board with a bunch of superheroes on it, and he has also just stolen Jean Grey as she is flaring into the Dark Phoenix. Tony, who at this time has the Extremis armor, which means that the armor is part of his body, it has been deactivated by Donald Birch, and so Tony is pretty much stuck as a normal human as the Phoenix Force is ready to destroy the planet. Tony dives into the platform and finds himself in the past dealing with his alcoholic former self. And so we get to Iron Age number one, which was written by Christos Gage, with pencils by Lee Weeks, inks by Tom Palmer, and Matt Hollingsworth did the colors. And this sort of takes place during one of the points where Tony like, fell really badly into alcoholism. He had sort of broken off from the Avengers at the time because he had tried to hook up with Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp, and it was horrible for everyone involved. Well, after he realizes that his uh, his past self is too much of an alcoholic to actually help him, he decides to go see the Avengers and requires their assistance. And he also steals the current Tony Stark's costume, or Iron Man suit, which smells like beer, smells like vomit, and the fact that he's trying to claim to be a future Tony Stark when he's wearing an old Iron Man costume does not really help him proving that. And because he had the extremist armor shut off, he's also much physically weaker at the moment, too, so he ends up stumbling. All the Avengers just think he's drunk. And no one else really, or only a few of the Avengers, know that he is Tony Stark. Yes. So he ends up escaping from them because they want to send him off to rehab, and he he resists them. So he ends up going to Hank Pym, who was really pissed off at Tony at the time. But he's able to prove that Tony that he is from the future because he knows about overspace. And so Hank helps him repair part of the time platform that he has. But this is the time when Ultron 16, I believe it is, is attacking. Normally this is a really big fight for the Avengers. But Hank and Tony end up showing up. And Hank is able to permanently deactivate Ultron before everyone else knows that uh, Hank had been behind Ultron. This was all because Tony had studied all of the Ultrons from before, but before he can really get a point of resolution, he's pulled somewhere else in time. And I do really like how a lot of these issues are very stylistically like the comics of the time. Yes, yeah, I would agree. Though the one exception is the next part of the first issue, which was uh, once again written by Rob Williams with art by Ben Oliver and Veronica Gandini was on the colors. The art was well done, but not very interesting, is the way I'd say it. Yeah. It takes place uh, during the Captain Britain series uh, between Daredevil's Volume 1, Number 11, and The Mighty World of Marvel, Volume 2, Number 7, which was in the most famous Alan Moore storyline, where uh, Strike, who is the British version of S.H.I.E.L.D., has been taken over by a supervillainess named the Vixen and her henchmen who are called the Beatles, and they are rounding up British mutants and killing them before they can be a danger to anyone. And Captain Britain is the only hero who's really around, but he doesn't want to work with Tony, Tony doesn't want to work with him, and Stark, because no one else knows that he is Iron Man, goes in as Tony Stark, to, uh, claiming that he wants to sell weapons to Strike. And Vixen is pretty much all ready to hit on him. And uh, as Tony is basically in the base, he escapes and finds a younger version of the Phantom there uh, who has been arrested for future crimes 
and Tony really considers killing him, but he's like seeing what the preventative murder leads to, and so he doesn't. Well, he doesn't know what the preventative murder leads to. Well, that's what these British people are. That's what uh, Strike is doing, though. They're preventively killing. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, he mostly just has the words of Captain Britain going through his head. Yeah. But, like, he's also... I thought it was a little weird that they put this in here. Yeah, it... it Only because, like, the whole thing with the mutant problem is that they don't actually know if they're going to do something bad. They're just killing them just on the assumption that they will. Yeah. Whereas, like, but him is like, but you know he's going to do something bad. But it's also, he hasn't done those things yet, so is it fair to kill him for what he would do? And Tony is, like, traveling through time, so there could be a chance that he is able to undo these things in a way that does not risk the time stream breaking apart. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Captain... Oh, yeah, because there's all those times where the Marvel heroes are very concerned with the time stream breaking apart. And then uh, Captain Britain ends up leading an attack and is able to shut down Strike with a rebellion, and he saves Tony from the Beatles, and Tony gets to leave... And this reminded me of, like, how hard it is to find, like, the Alan Moore run of Captain Britain in, like, any Captain Britain comics that were published in the UK. Yeah. Which is weird, because they were so influential in a lot of ways. Mm hmm uh, So then we move on to Iron Age number two, which was written by Jan Van Meter, with art by Nick Dragata and colors by Brad Simpson. And uh, Tony Stark is sent back. Uh, to the time during the first Armor Wars when Obadiah Stane had gotten Stark's money and the suits and was pretty much racking havoc with them. Yep. And so this one confused me a bit because at the time the Heroes for Hire, Luke Cage and Danny were sort of at odds with their partners uh, Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. And so Stark hires Colleen and Misty to stop a crime as Iron Man. And then Tony goes to Luke Cage and Iron Fist to help him get something back. And Cage and Fist really don't trust Tony because he's older than he should be. And he looks a lot weaker than he should be. But uh, they keep bringing up, a lot of them keep bringing up over and over again about how old and horrible he looks and like. Yeah. It, it's not really reflected well in the art a lot of the times. And that's the problem, is like he looks perfectly fine. It it doesn't look like he is even ill a lot of the time. Yeah, no, not at all. But uh, at the time, the Tinker and the Scorpion are teaming up, and Tony realizes that the Scorpion suit has been modded in a way that was based on his older Iron Man technology. And so he's able to help uh, Iron Fist and Danny deactivate it as he switches into his Iron Man suit. Uh, meanwhile, the Tinker is just really pissed off that uh, Luke Cage has been continuously stopping his plans, so he starts laser blasting the entire uh, Harlem's area for the hope that he might destroy Luke Cage's house, which is all about, oh, collateral damage and not being aware of things happening. Iron Man stops him, locks him up, and then he gets the piece from the time machine from Misty and Colleen, who had already raided the Tinker's storage place, and this ends up getting Luke and Danny and Colleen and Misty back together. 
which uh, helps them because they had been fighting otherwise, and everyone's like, oh, was this what Tony Stark was trying to do the entire time? And Stark vanishes again. But not before he stole a crap ton of money from Obadiah Stand. Oh, yes. He uh, went to the ATM and just, like, downloaded all of the money. Yep. Because that's what you do with money, you download it, right? Right, pretty much. Uh, the next when I downloaded it, it was a thing that could hack past the ATMs. Yeah. Uh, next story was by Elliot Kalin, uh, with pencils by Ron Frenz and inks by Sal Buscema and colors by John Callis. Uh, Iron Man is sent back to the, uh, well, for some reason I wrote the 90s, but it's the, like, 70s. Yeah. And, uh, Doctor Doom kept... So What's Iron the thing? Man... Is he keeps traveling around in time, which means, like, isn't, like, all of this the 70s? With the exception of the third issue? Yeah, it's all really undefined in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, Doctor Doom captures uh, Iron Man with his uh, servo guards, and Doom doesn't know that Tony Stark is Iron Man at this time, so Tony pretends to be an idiot. So he gets left beh- uh, so he gets left alone, which allows him to end up escaping because Doom didn't expect him to be able to escape. But. Do- <laughs> But Doom has taken the Iron Man suit, except for a hand, and, uh... And he uses it to free himself. Yes. And then he ends up going and getting another Iron Man costume that he knew he had stashed, which was the nose costume. Yes. Which they the make... nose costume. Yes. And Tony tries to go to Reed for help, uh, but the only person at the Fantastic Four is Johnny, who was dead at this time in the continuity. Except he wasn't really dead. I should talk about that for a second. All the people that he believes are dead, I don't... None of them are dead anymore. Yep. Oh, comics. Oh, comics. Uh, so, Tony and Johnny end up heading to a superhero club where everyone is dressed up like superheroes, and uh, Tony tries to team up with past Tony... But past Tony is a jerk who refuses to believe that future Tony is who he says he is. And because he doesn't like being hassled at the party, he tries to go into the party at the Latverian Embassy. Mm-hmm. Which we never really see signs of happening. Yeah. So it's just like Tony arguing with a bunch of servo guards. Agreed. One of uh, my favorite things that they have there as they're intermingling at the party is the woman dressed up as Sue Storm who tries hitting on Johnny. Oh yeah. And, and Johnny's like, please no. I was like, you're gorgeous, but that's weird. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I saw a Wonder Woman costume in there as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, it will be up in the images. It could have been Miss America, the original version. Yeah. Yeah, but, the uh, costumes are all pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, Doom captures past Tony Stark. Future Tony is in the Iron Man suit, and he and Johnny team up to steal the old costume. Uh, Doom shows up on his time platform bike. And he, Tony, and, uh, or he, Iron Man, and Johnny end up fighting, leaving Doctor Doom stranded in the past. And I'm not sure if this related to another Fantastic Four story or not. Yeah, I don't know. And, uh, as they go, Tony wants to tell Johnny that he is a real hero, hoping that it might keep Johnny from sacrificing himself in the negative zone. But he gets teleported away before he can say anything. It's true. Keeps wanting to do good, but always keeps teleporting too quick. 
Yep. Uh, next we have Iron Age number three. Uh, the first part was written by Louise Simonson with art by Todd Nock and colors by Joss Rock. Roush. And Tony is sent back in time with Allison Blair Dazzler, who's just finished her first show up at the Evil Disco, which was like the first appearance of Dazzler in the comics. And her second show gets interrupted by Mandroids, who are robotic suits that work for the Hellfire Club as opposed to the robotic version of uh, Human Torch. Yes. These things are important. And uh, Tony Stark shows up to help her, but he's getting really weak. Uh, the signal shows that the next piece that he needs for the machine is over in the Hellfire Club, which is a place where Tony Stark is both a member and where Dazzler is supposed to be going for her next show. So what he, a coincidence. Yeah. So he escorts her, pretending to sort of be drunk. And while she is performing... Uh, Tony sneaks in for the piece that he needs, uh, but the club comes after him, and Tony is almost out of juice. Dazzler shows up to help save him, and Tony explains how Dazzler can convert. Uh, Dazzler's power at the time is she can just convert light into or sound. Yeah, well, sound into light. Yeah, and uh, he teaches Dazzler how to generate actual sunlight that can blind them. Uh, and to make noise, she shoots a machine gun, and that panel is amazing. It Dazzler is. has a machine gun now. And the uh, two of them are able to make enough sound that they are able to escape. Uh, Dazzler gets out, and Tony gives her some money. Uh, that was the last that he had stolen from Obadiah. But then uh, Sebastian Shaw, the Black King of the Hellfire Club, shows up and knocks Tony out. Oh no! What will Tony do? Uh, the second part was written by Rob Williams, with art by Roberto Della Torre, and uh, colors by Dan Brown. And Tony wakes up in the clutches of Sebastian Shaw, uh, while the X-Men are trying to save Jean Grey. Uh, Tony is hooked up to a machine that is going to kill him if he does not activate the time platform, because Sebastian Shaw knows exactly what is going on, or he has a general idea that this is a time machine that Tony is building. Uh, Tony hooks up the machine, hoping to escape to the final stop, but the power ends up cutting out because the X-Men are attacking. And this yep. was like the famous uh, part where like Wolverine suddenly becomes a badass. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Wolverine shows up, distracting uh, Sebastian Shaw enough that Tony is able to escape, but he soon comes face-to-face -face with Colossus, who thinks that Iron Man is just another mandroid, but Nightcrawler is able to save him. And, uh... This is here. This is the part of where I was just noticing, like, the borderline mutant racism of Tony Stark. Because of Wasp, he's like, Oh, I wish I could do something to save her. Oh, Human Torch, I wish there was something I could do to save him. Oh, Nightcrawler. Oh, nothing I can do. Sorry, let's keep going, guys. Well, how did Nightcrawler die? Uh, Bastion shoves his arm through him. It's during the second coming. He's teleporting Hope out, trying to get her back to Utopia. And he's teleporting, attacking um, Bastion, and Bastion puts his arm right where he knows Nightcrawler's going to teleport to. Have that happened yet? Yeah, it would have just happened. He also comments on the fact that Nightcrawler's dead, too. He's like Kurt Wagner, another dead guy I ran into. Can't save him. Okay, that's right. 
Well, maybe Tony didn't want Kurt challenging him for all the ladies. Yep. But he ends up seeing Jean, who Cyclops is trying to calm her down, and she can immediately tell Tony is not supposed to be there. Uh, Shaw shows up again, and the entire X-Men just team up to toss him out into the street. While Cyclops and Phoenix go off to deal with Mastermind, uh, Tony finds Cyclops worrying about Jean, and... Tony's like, you know what? Screw the timeline. Go for it. Let her know that you love her. And everything will work out. And uh, Tony is ready to go back in time. But the Phoenix, or but Jean Grey Phoenix shows up. And she says she's not going to let him stop what she's supposed to do. And she destroys the machine. Yep. Leaving Tony stranded in time. Yep. Pretty much everything sucks to be Tony right then. Yeah. And then we have The Iron Age Omega, which was written by Rob Williams. Rebecca Isaacs was back on pencils. Livesay did the inks, and Andres Massa was back on colors. And we see Birch looking at a younger version of himself in the past before we advance to Tony Stark, who's been stranded in time, and he's been sick the entire time. Like, here is where you get no, like, clue... Like, how bad or how sick he is, because it never looks that bad. Tony ends up getting a version of the Time Portal working, and he goes back to when Birch was bringing in the Dark Phoenix. So It should be mentioned, though, he was doing this for three years of his life, though. Yes. And so Iron Man shows up with Dazzler, Cyclops, Human Torch, Captain Britain, Iron Fist, and Luke Cage right after he had helped them out. And the Phoenix is easily wiping out the team... And before she can kill Luke Cage, uh, Tony sacrifices himself to save Luke Cage. And Birch is really worried because someone is not there. That someone is Hank Pym. And it turns out that Tony realized that Birch would have like been planning for every eventuality. And Tony bringing in all of these friends that Birch had pretty much made him run into. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. Nope. So he had... Uh, Hank ended up staying back as a backup plan, and uh, as the Phoenix starts to flare, and Tony from this timeline is ready to kill Birch, but uh, Birch has his robots stop Tony and prepare to kill him as Phoenix is about to explode, but then Yellow Jacket shows up, destroying the robot, freeing Tony, and past... Er, and current Tony and Yellow Jacket end up hijacking these robots that are able to incapacitate the Phoenix. And everyone working together on the command of Cyclops, who has to order everyone to kill the woman who he loves, uh, they're able to, to knock her out. Yep. Uh, ends oh, up and let's also bring up, here brings up another instance of everyone loves Jean Grey for some reason. Because when the battles start... Uh, Iron Fist makes a comment that he was distracted by the pretty woman in the red, with the red hair, and Johnny Storm also makes a comment that she's smoking. So how many people has that now gotten up to, Luke? Do I need to start a another secret list of people? I feel who like love... we should just have like a full list of that too. Marvel characters in love with Jean Grey. Well, I think the better thing would be Marvel characters attracted to Jean Grey. Oh, yeah. 
So then they could just put, like, all the X-Men forever. Yeah. Uh, so Birch ends up dying of cancer and shock. And because his plan fell apart and Tony sends everyone back to their time, but makes uh, sure that they all remember to come back on this day, even though he doesn't give them a date, and they're all going to meet up and have dinner at that time. I thought that too, actually. They didn't give them a day. Yep. And, uh, everyone except for Johnny, who's dead at the time, shows up that evening and has drinks to the future. Yep. And so the one universe that came out of this is the universe where Tony did die, which is Earth 81191. So. Technically, Tony didn't die in that universe. No, he did. Because the Tony that ends up getting to have dinner with all of his friends is 616 Tony. Yeah. Or no, I guess what I'm saying is he's from that universe. But he dies in the Six universe. It's not a virgin timelines. Yep. So, Earth 81191 is where Tony screwed up and Phoenix destroyed the Earth. Yep. Seems like a pretty swell Earth to me. Did he say swell or small? Swell. Okay, well, let's see how swell it is on the Trials of the Multiverse. Lots of heat. No problems there. Right. I guess global warming is a problem. Uh, global warming and then all the uh, soot and space dust and it no longer exists. <laughs> tomatoes, tomatoes. Well, and I'm pretty sure the Phoenix, without being able to be stopped, would continue to wreak a path of destruction and would be unstoppable. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, Phoenix destroys everything. And I think this is going to be something where we have an issue separating the story, which was really, which I enjoyed a lot, yeah. from the universe itself, which is, oh yeah, Phoenix destroyed everything. Uh, where are you feeling... The universe. It's good when the Phoenix shows things. I don't know. I always also enjoy when bad guys win. Okay. Well, is it better or worse than Jean Grey is actually in the Trial of the Phoenix? It's a right around there. Okay. Uh, higher or lower? Low. I'm looking at other things. Lower. Uh, Black, I like Black Widow before better. And I like Limbo more. So, I'm fine putting it right above what a Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I would do that too. So Earth eight one one nine one Iron Age Phoenix destroyed world is our new number forty six. Yay! Next week we will be back with another Exiles adventure as we start to deal with a lack of Judd Winnick. Is that next week? Yeah, this is number uh twenty. Oh yeah, it is next. Eight. Oh yeah, because I'm three week cycles. Yep. This yeah, is 28. Yeah. yeah, so we'll be back for that as uh, the team has to adjust to magic in their life. Yeah. And uh, we Everyone's will... Everyone's life could use a little more magic. Uh, Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. You can check out the image gallery that goes along with this episode at Multiverse Q. If you have questions, comments, universes you would like us to look into and uh, describe... Uh, feel free to contact us at multiversalq at gmail.com, or, yeah, multiversalq at gmail.com. 
if you'd like to support us, we do have a Patreon campaign where you can get all sorts of nice stuff like bonus commentary and discussions and other stuff that we will probably work on if we actually get a backer. Be our first backer and you'll get lots of shoutouts and accolades. It's true. Uh, Multiversal Q can be found on several social medias including Twitter, at Multiversal Q, Tumblr, Facebook, and we also have a Libsyn account where you can download the episodes from there if you don't like using the iTunes cloud, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Coltreg, K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And you can find me at Fredo Fett, F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. We will see you next week when the world is not destroyed.